How's it going today, people? NDT folks, I hope everybody is staying healthy and disease and virus free in the midst of the pandemic that is currently gripping the world. I'm pretty sure everybody that is in the NDT world is doing just fine as far as finances go. I just hope your families are doing fine and all that as well. Today, I got to speak with John Stewart of the AATA, a man that I think everyone will find as informative and entertaining as I did, and is definitely a man whose career we can all learn from. He talks about his experience and how he's gone and sat down with some of the most influential people in, uh, you know, not just NDT, but in the manufacturing world right now, you know, including Elon Musk and Richard Branson. John has uh, a, a fantastic outlook on life and, and his career. And I mean, just, uh, I mean, just a really good resource. The AATA that he runs out of Los Angeles is a great place. I mean, a lot of people are able to apply for government funded training through his program. So if you're listening to this and you didn't know about that, you should go ahead and, and click one of the links down in the in the in the bio of this podcast and learn a little bit more about the AATA. But please do listen to this podcast and I mean just take what you can, not just about not just about NDT, but in whatever pursuit that you plan on, you know, using this career for. You know, so Anyway, I hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening, as always. And uh, all right, here we go. Good morning, John, and thank you for taking time out to talk to me. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. So if you could, you know, just start, I, I just want to know how you got into NDI originally. Um, well, basically, I was uh, sitting sitting at home up in uh, Modesto, California at the time. And uh, I saw a commercial for Spartan College of Aeronautics. And I was pretty much, um, you know, at that time I was working, packing potato chips at Frito-Lay. And although that money was actually not too bad, um, the, the commercial really caught my attention. So I made the phone call. And I think a couple of days later, they had a recruiter come out and I had to write an essay why I wanted to get into NDT, so I had to do a little bit of research. And what I found was for the amount of money that it takes, the investment in the education versus the amount that you could earn over time was extremely a great ratio. Yeah, really hard so, to match it, that. Yeah, absolutely. It was a no-brainer. And um, so it wasn't too much further after that. I packed up my truck, and I drove out to Tulsa. And... Um, that was pretty much the start of it. You know, what's crazy to me is that I have had very mixed results with Spartan, you know, people that I've worked with, but some of the, you know, highest achieving people uh, that I've talked to have come out of Spartan, you know, so it's like, uh, it's a mixed bag, you know, you're going to get what you get. Uh, you're going to get what you put into it rather. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it's like that everywhere. Um, you know, with all the, with all the training facilities. And that's the unfortunate thing is, is, we can't really control somebody's effort, yeah. you know? You you would hope that if they took the time and effort to go to school and learn something, that they would actually take it seriously. But uh, that's not always the point. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's not always, not always always the case. Yeah. 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 It's always the case. Yeah. So we are in some sense related in that we both worked at SpaceX for a time. Yes. When did you start working out there? So I didn't start working there until you had already left. I started in 2016. I think you left in 2015 to start the AATA. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So we know a few, we, we have a few mutual friends. Um, Jeremy Hinks wanted me to let you know that um, Hawaiian shirts are not business casual. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was the great thing about SpaceX is we could dress any way we wanted. Yeah, pretty uh, much. Even when I had a... Even when I had several meetings with Elon, it was always, you know, shorts and T-shirts, pretty much. Yeah, he's a real casual guy, too, so it, it kind of flows down. Yeah. But they really and, expect you, know, you to be working. To the, uh, oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah getting back to the uh, the Spartan uh, thing, is, you know, there was a time, I, I think it was in 2011 or 2012, uh, we were really ramping up at SpaceX. And for a long time, they weren't hiring any new NDT technicians um, until one day Elon basically opened everything up and he said, okay, we're going to go for it. I need 15 new NDT techs. And obviously, it's difficult to get one NDT tech the way things are right now um, and even back then. So I flew back to Spartan and I interviewed probably about 30 students and made job offers on the spot all right and about yeah about 15 of them accepted um they moved to california we put them up in a nice uh, apartment over in marina del rey uh, we gave them sign-on bonuses everything we took really good care of them and i think out of those 12 to 15 students that came over i think there may be two or three left <laughs> yeah and i think i know yeah. who you're talking about too and, and yeah i mean they're at least one of them for you know for sure i know is a really good technician so you know, it just, I think that might be the return that you get, you know, no matter what field you get into. Yeah, and, and it's not always, um, it, you know, a lot of people say SpaceX is, uh, you know, they work you to death, which they do. But also when you recruit people from outside of California, there's a lot of people that just can't handle it. You know, they, they, they can't, uh, they don't like the speed of California. And of course, all the other negative stuff that comes along with it seems to outweigh the positive when you're coming from out of state but if you're already from california hey it's a great place to be well and you're never going to get a more accelerated program than you can get at spacex i mean in a short amount of time you know the the really highly motivated technicians and especially the talented ones can get five certifications you know you can end up with vt pt mt you know eddy current and ut all within a, a you know two three years of working there, which is just not something you're going to have the opportunity to do at a normal company. So yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, so if you can if you can stomach the grind, it's definitely a great place. You know, if you can get into a place like that. So you since then, you you've you've started. I guess you you're consulting and you do the AATA. What what made you want to start AATA? Well, I was always um, kind of surprised by the amount of monies that could be earned with, uh, you know, just a high school diploma. And, you know, and the fact that, you know, I'm sitting in meetings with um, Elon Musk and, you know, even after SpaceX, sitting in meetings with Virgin Galactic, with Richard Branson, and, 
and it's all about NDT and and having a high school diploma. It was is all that I had at the time. Uh, I tell I tell all the new recruits coming into AATA that anybody with a PhD can be successful. And then I ask them how many people have a PhD, and I raise my hand, and nobody else raises their hand. I said nobody else has a public high school diploma. Public high school diploma. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that's the reason why I started it was because I just thought that there's there's so much to offer in non-destructive testing, and it's difficult to get the word out. You know, like I've heard a few of your podcasts, and like like they say, it's nobody grows up saying, I want to be an NDT inspector. It's, you know, we're not out there. People grow up saying, I want to be welders or I want to be, you know, iron workers or plumbers. And, you know, these are all trades and NDT is basically a trade. Yeah. It's just the word's not out. Well, yeah. And, you know, right now with the coronavirus stuff, everybody I know is at work. You know, all of us are at work, still making money, still pulling overtime. We're all in the essential fields. You know, and you've got yeah, a lot absolutely. of people. Yeah. And, and so um, I knew when I started this 12 years ago that I was going to have a certain level of job security. And, you know, I was growing. I grew up real poor. And so I just didn't even I couldn't even fathom a way out. So then when I found this, I was like, you know, all I got to do is just work four or five years. I can be a level three, you know, in my 30s, I'll be making, you know, this much money and whatever. And you know, everything's come to fruition so far. And we're one of the fields that has absolute job security right now. You know, so it's like really yeah, good to just get the word out. Yeah. Even with the, you know, with just the consulting side, I'm still consulting on a, on a daily basis with, with NASA JPL, with Virgin Galactic, with the spaceship company, uh, Northrop Grumman. I mean, so everybody is still, like you said, moving forward. And the fact that you can become a consultant as a level three is really, to me, is, is, is the best thing that anybody can do. Because working for yourself is the best thing that I've ever done. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I love working for large corporations and, you know, like Northrop Grumman and SpaceX and Virgin and all of them. But when I went out on my own, it was a little scary initially. Yeah. But, um, you know, ultimately, it was the best decision I probably ever made. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm not even gonna lie. I mean, when I when I heard about what you had done, because I had always wanted to, to you know, to do that, to to reach out to, you know, especially minority populations and, uh, you know, other people who are of lower, lower income and kind of stop them from from, you know, taking the bait and jumping into a college education, you know, because a lot of people that just leaves them stranded and in debt. And then, you know, I'm talking to somebody at SpaceX and they're like, well, that's that's what John Stewart's doing, you know, and I, I looked online. And I'm like, oh, shit, you know, I got to meet this guy. Because, I mean, this is exactly what I'm talking about. And, yeah, obviously, it's it's really worked out for you. So AATA is, is a nonprofit, which allows allows government funding to pay for a lot of the a lot of these kids to come to the school, right? Yeah, absolutely. And whenever you're ready, you let me know, and we can get an AATA started down in San Diego. Oh, man, don't, don't, don't play with me. You know, we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk after this. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. it is definitely one of the things that I, I want to do. I'm, I'm very passionate about training. I feel like I learn more the more that I can engage with people who are still learning. And, uh, you know, it's a really, you know, at times, at times I get a little disenchanted with the field because, you know, the work can be uh, pretty, pretty tough. You know, it just depends on, you know, what your perspective is. But, um, you know, I've got a buddy of mine who 
he's away from home, you know, basically all year away from his three kids. And so sometimes that can be, that can be tough on people, you know, but the fact is when he's away, he's able to provide for all three of his kids and his wife in a nice house and give them a good life without a college education. And it's, it's, it's definitely a sacrifice. It's very similar um, to being in the military. You know, it's, you know, you're gone for six months, you're home for six months, you know, and if you're lucky, you're going to, you're going to get along with your, your wife and your kids when you're home. Because every time you come back home, you're actually having to, you know, re not reinvent, but just kind of go through that whole process of learning each other again. So it's, it's a difficult to be an NDT and have a family, but it could definitely be done. Yeah. I mean, I can't really speak to that, but I do, I do know that. Yeah. The people, you know, dad gets to be a hero when he shows up for a lot of them, you know? So it, it, it's, yeah, there's, there's trade trade offs and that's why the industry can be tough for some. But, uh, I, yeah, I just know in my heart of hearts that it's, it's something that more people need to learn about, especially young people who have always been intelligent, but aren't excited about the traditional framework of learning and like to work with their hands. It's like, Hey, you know, come on down. You know, I, I sat in a meeting with, um, well, it was our chapter meeting. Mike McGloin was the speaker and he was saying, we want the kids that have C's and D's, you know, the kids with bright eyes, but just don't make good grades because they're the ones who make the best technicians. Yeah. I don't know if I would agree with that entirely. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it really comes down to a grade, right? A CD. I think it's just more about desire and, uh, what I really found is, is basically just comprehension, you know, reading comprehension, because so much time is spent in the books, you know, learning the different specifications and procedures and techniques. And, you know, everything's there for you. And if you if you can read and comprehend well, you're going to be successful in the industry. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, and it, I would say that that's probably the, the biggest drag for a lot of uh, a lot of reluctant readers that I work with is they they really don't want to take the time to learn new specifications and new codes. And, you know, um, that, that can be the biggest obstacle with a lot of people in this industry is they think, well, look, I know how to run the equipment. Just tell me what I'm looking for and I can go. And it's like, okay, that's one way, but you're going to limit your growth if you don't really take the time to understand the codes and you know, what's being, what's being asked for. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's when you get the, uh, and, and nothing wrong with that. That's just, some people would rather be level twos and stay at that and do the one or two things or whatever that they do very well. And uh, don't always want to, you know, step up and become the level three and become responsible for, you know, product or people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the ones who do, Hey, you know, it's definitely beneficial. No, I mean, and, and it's there for you. I mean, and that's the most incredible thing is you don't need college to become a level three. I think a lot of people think you do, but you just need time and you have to, you have to, you really do have to sit down. When I, when I went to take the basic level three exam, that one kicked my ass. I passed the UT exam on my first try, but that basic, holy shit, I, you know, it's an engineering exam. You know, you're asked about, about all sorts of um, the crystalline structure of metal, which is not the kind of thing you just pick up watching, you know, fucking keeping up with the Kardashians. You know what I mean? You you, right, you have exactly. to spend time with the material. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's the uh yes, one of the things I remember when I was taking my my UT level three exam over in uh Ohio. 
at the AFNT headquarters. Oh, okay, in Columbus, yeah. I was there. I took it there, and you know that, that's back when it was still on paper, and they had to scan Tron and whatnot. But I was taking it with a guy who had his doctorate and was working at Lockheed Martin, and um, I was really well prepared, so I, I didn't have any any issues with it. But uh, you know, he was sitting at the other end of the table, and I could just hear him underneath his breath going. This is fuck this shit. What's wrong? This <laughs> what is <the>? stupid. <laughs> and, and that's the, really the difference between taking the exam right out of you know a four year degree and somebody who's already been in that method for four years. Yeah, they're going to understand it a lot better. Not not that anybody is any more intelligent than each other or than you know somebody else. But it's, like again, it's, it, to me, it's very similar to the military. When you're in the military for four or five years. And you've been doing your job for that long, and in comes an ensign or a lieutenant junior grade right out of college. Now, you have to salute this guy, and you have to respect him, but that doesn't mean he knows what the hell he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it's kind of weird because my son is actually on that same track, but the good thing, because he graduated, um, he worked at SpaceX as well for a few years, and then uh, he left and utilized his GI Bill. El Paso and got his degree, uh, his bachelor's degree in material science. Okay. Uh, which, we well, you know, material science falls right in line with NDT. Absolutely. Um, once he graduated with his four-year degree, he went to AATA and went through all our courses and went straight to work with Northrop Grumman, and uh, I think he's in Redondo Beach now. Oh, man, you set him up. Uh, yeah, he, he's got, you know, I have four sons, and out of the four... Uh, two of them are currently working in NDT, and um, one is doing um, going to turnarounds and whatnot every now and then, but he spends most of his time at home in Stockton with his other job, but he does take time off to do turnarounds. Oh, man, and so he's making some money. One, yeah, he's doing all right. And the fourth one, you know, there's always that black sheep. I think he's just hanging out in Fresno smoking weed probably. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Hey man, there's a lot of them out here. He's the youngest one. I think he's about 23 now. So, shoot, by the time I was 23, I had done five years in the Navy already. Man, that's one thing that I I don't really understand. Like coming from Houston, it's like you you see my friends at 23, and they're 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 looking like their dads already. Like they're they're trying to be grown men. And then I came out to California at 23. That's just extended adolescence. Like these kids are, you know, out here acting like you know, they're 19 and they're not even worried about trying to get a job until they're in their late twenties. You know, it's just, a, it's a different culture <laughs> yeah, for sure. I got some family like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, man. It's, it's, it trips me out, but you know, Hey, to each their own. And to me, I felt like, okay, well, I'm going to come out here and, you know, I got to SpaceX when I was 26 and I just tried to, you know, put my head down and do everything I could. And, you know, it really was a, a huge benefit. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, in, in regard to the AATA is I noticed that you had something about apprenticeship and uh, a lot of times with the schools, my, my concern is, you know, you go and you get the, the classroom education, but there's a difficulty in getting on the job training afterwards. And with, with your, you know, list of resources, is that something that you help, you know, some of the, some of the kids get into uh, afterwards? Yeah, ab- Absolutely. The way the way it works is uh, first in regards to the apprenticeship is we had to submit 
uh, all our information, our course material outlines to the Department of Labor um, for our U.S. apprenticeship. So we're approved throughout the United States by the Department of Labor. In addition, we had to submit it to the Department of Apprenticeship Standards, which is California's apprenticeship. Um, so we're approved by both of those entities. And the way it works is the government, you know, there's a lot of grants out there and, and there's a lot of funding, especially for, for veterans and, and people who have been let go, laid off, or even for upgrade training. We do a lot of upgrade training for SpaceX as well. But, um, you know, we got Northrop Grumman has signed on, um, the spaceship company, Virgin Galactic. SpaceX, um, you know, several companies around here, Sterling, of course, Team, Mistros, these are all, all people who hire AATA graduates. And we don't guarantee, obviously, because you can't legally guarantee a job. Mm-hmm. Um, but since we have such a great network and what we can provide the employer, in addition to giving them a student that has training in, you know, five different methods, we also provide them continuing support. So if they join AATA's apprenticeship program, they could send their people to us anytime they want, and nine times out of ten, it's at no cost to them. So, you know, they hire our student, one of our graduates, they put them to work. That allows them to become part of our apprenticeship, and then now they can start sending their own people to us as well and we continue to do training for them and upgrade training and whatnot. So it, it really works out good for the employer. And, you know, we network, we kind of triage the funding with AATA and the employer so that it works out good for everybody. Yeah, I mean, I, I just thought it was incredible. There was a bunch of people that went to your school from, from SpaceX while I was there. And, uh, you know, it, it took a sacrifice because, you know, they were already working 10 hours a day. And then coming through there at night and, you know, but what they were getting was thousands of dollars of education for free that some people just, you know, don't have access to. And I was, I just thought, man, this is, this is an absolutely great, you know, it's a great system, but like, um, so are you, are y'all still able to be open right now? And, you know, with the coronavirus stuff, I noticed that you launched something online, but is your physical uh, class still open right now? No, we decided to shut it down. Uh, you know, we we could follow the social distancing and have less than 10 and all that good stuff. But uh, there's nothing more important than, than being safe. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we just shut it down and uh, we connected with uh, Patrick Waugh on NDT Library. Okay. Um, I think it's NDT Video Library. I'm not exactly sure what his website is. But Pratik is a really smart, smart guy. He's also ASNT Level 3. He graduated from Iowa, I believe, Iowa State. Because I, I, I tried to recruit him when he was still in school. I tried to recruit him into SpaceX, but because he wasn't a citizen, we weren't able to get him. Oh, that's right. Um, and Iowa State is one of the places that has an NDT minor, right? That's correct. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, he, he went, he worked for us for a while. He taught. Uh, and then he, and his dad is also a level three in like seven or eight methods. Jesus. So he's got NDT in his blood, and, and he's came up with this online training. And to be honest, I had a chance to go through all of his, his modules. But, you know, I, I I know him, and he does good work. So we're like, yeah, let's just do it. You know, we'll support 
we'll support you and you support us at this time. And you know, the way it's going to work is anybody who is laid off, if you're from California, anybody who's laid off, uh, they're going to get this training for free. You know, we, we'll tell them where to go, where to apply and whatnot. Uh, if you're a veteran, you're going to get the training for free. Um, otherwise, it's it's only 2500 bucks. I know that's a lot of money right now, but you know, 2500 bucks for UT1, UT2, MT1, MT2, PT1, PT2 is actually a pretty good deal. Which is an absolutely uh, great foundation, too, for anybody who's not in the industry. I mean, those are great ones to start with. Yeah, and, and we're also allowing them, anybody who does the online training, uh, whether they're in New York or California, uh, when they're done with it, if they like, they can come out to California and continue with the rest of the methods uh, at no cost to them. Uh, because we understand if you're coming from a different state, you're going to have to put yourself up in an Airbnb. Mm-hmm. You're going to have some expense, you know, expenses out of your pocket. So the way we could help is like, you know, you're come on, come on to California. We'll give you your RT one and two. We'll give you your rat safety and your CR, and we won't charge you for that. Even CR too. Yeah, yeah we do. Uh, well, we started out with doing CR and DR, and then. Uh, MASS 410 and TC1A changed up a little bit. It used to be uh, you only needed 20 hours of one and then 20 hours of the other. Um, but now I believe it's 40 hours to be level one and 40 hours uh, for CR and 40 hours for DR. I have to go back and look at MASS 410 and TC1A again. I saw with the online school that you are also including all of the study materials as well. Is yeah, it? that's correct. So we, we purchase all the study materials from ASNT. Uh, we go by the uh, by the ASNT outlines, and if they sign up, we'll we'll send them all the books that they need. And it's not just the online to where you just go on and work at your own pace. It's you actually going to have critiques going to be there. Uh, I think at least once or twice a week, it's going to be live, and you can go live with him and work through problems and and processes. Uh, and then in addition, again, if you want to come out to California later or if you're already in California, you could come out and get some hands-on application with us as well. That's pretty great. Yeah, I mean, it's such a good – I mean, it, it seems like inevitably and, and right now, you know, especially that the trend towards online-based learning is, uh, you know, is just going to continue and that, you know, there has been some – hesitation for employers to accept online-based training in the past. And it seems like that's just going to, you know, fall by the wayside. Have you expected, I mean, have you encountered any, any RL3s who have told you, you know, flat out that, you know, only in-person training is the only training I'm going to accept. And, you know, how have you, you know, how have you, you know, dealt with that? You know, I'm kind of guilty of that myself to a point Mm -hmm. um, because I've, I've, worked with people who've done online training and when I tested them as the R3, um, they did not do very well versus people who who actually sit in class. And I think that if you're going to go through NDT training, you know, your initial training, I think is good to be in person. Yeah. You know, if, if you're already, if you're already in it and you know, maybe you want to get a new method then at least you understand the basics. And then as a refresher training also, if you just want refresher training, I think online is great. Um, but 
it's really tough. So uh, the quality, and that's the thing is, there's no there's no quality control of any of the training. Yeah, you know, the training is not is not um, certified or over overseen by by ASNT. It's not overseen. There's no NDTAB. Uh, it's not overseen by Mass Four Ten. Yeah. So you really have to make sure that whoever you're hiring is going to be able to pass your exams. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right? that's, that's ultimately what you want. Even even if it's um, somebody with little experience, if they have little experience but can pass all the exams, then that's great. Versus somebody who has 10 years in and can't pass the exam, then to me that's scary. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. What have you been doing? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess it kind of circles back to what we were talking about at the beginning. You know, regardless of where you get your training from, it's going to come down to what you put into it. You're going to get out what you put into it as, as the, you know, as, as the student, you're going to learn what you learn based off how much you care. Yeah. Right. Cause I'm sure that you can do online training and, and not be so serious about it. And even like, you know, if they sit in class, there's people who sit in class who aren't so serious about it. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, it really comes down to the person. And it's kind of funny when I first started the nonprofit, and we were training at uh, Cal State Los Angeles. Um, I was running everything out of my pocket. You know, we didn't have any grants yet. Um, we didn't have any monies other than what I was putting into it. So I was I was purchasing all the books, all the material. Uh, everything out of my own pocket. And I did come across a few people who weren't taking it serious. And the great thing is it was my nonprofit. So I said, Hey, I don't need you here. <laughs> and if you're not going to take it serious, you can leave because you're wasting, you're wasting my time and you're wasting everybody else's time who's taking this serious. So, you know, go ahead and just leave. <laughs> I think that's the right way to be, man. I mean, it's like, you know, um, it's, it's just, I mean, any of this training, any of this training, you know, if you expect somebody to teach you every single thing, then, you know, you're, you're in the wrong place. I mean, and that, that goes with any sort of education. You get the materials and the instructor is there to help you clear, uh, clarify what, you know, what uh, isn't clear, you know, from your own study, not, you know, to spoon feed you everything you need to know and just, Hey, is this going to be on the test? Hey, is this going to be on the test? You know, that's just not the exactly. right attitude to have for it, you know? Right, it, and it's and it's easy to spot those guys when you're our, our girls, women, um, when you're sitting in front of them, and you can't really do that so much, you know, with with all the online stuff. Um, you know, we had we had one guy that uh, we saw was he was there every single day, but he wasn't putting in the effort other than for showing up, and then he wasn't doing the homework, and so. After a couple of weeks, I, I pulled him aside, and his, his father was actually a level three as well. And I pulled him aside, and I said, hey, you know, what is it that you want out of this class? And he says, well, I don't know. He goes, I don't really even know if I want to do NDT. Mm. And I said, well, I said, what do you want to do? He says, well, I want to be an actor. <laughs> okay. I said, well, go home. Go home. Don't come back and tell your dad exactly what you told me. <laughs> oh, man. So, I hope he went on some auditions too, you know, I mean, cause at the end of the day, man, I know a few people who act and, uh, you know, they're reasonably successful, but 
man, I don't care what it is. If you think there's an easy ride to success, it, 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 there, it just doesn't exist. You got to be killing it on these auditions. Some of these people I know that, that go out on auditions, man, it sounds like they're working harder than me, you know? And so, yeah, we have, we have one graduate. His, his name is Lee Webb. And Lee is an awesome dude. He played football at USC. Um, he got drafted into the NFL and played for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And he also has his, um, what do they call that, acting card, the academy card or whatever. Oh, yeah, the SAG after um, or whatever, something like that. Yeah, yeah. He also has his card, and he's been in um, – he was in the movie The Black Panther. Um, okay. So this guy is very, I mean, very well-rounded and everything, and he loves NDT. He came and he took our courses. He loves NDT. He's, he's kicking butt on, on UT Phase Array right now. And it, it's just amazing to see somebody go all the way from USC to the NFL to acting, and NDT ends up being their passion. Man. Yeah. You know? That's a that's a strange that's passion, it. but, you know, hey, more power yeah. to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then we got the, you know, we got some, some good, good graduates. It's really cool. We're doing a job right now uh, at a hydrogen plant and um, I was overseeing it and I ran across one of our graduates who was in our very first class and he, he, he took our class when he was 18. He's 23 now and he's just doing great. Uh, you know, I, I love talking to him. Uh, he's doing a really good job. His employer loves him. Um, matter of fact, when he came in to take the class, he brought his mom and dad with him, and he had to interpret because they both spoke Spanish, and he had to interpret for me because I only speak a little bit of Spanish. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't believe that he was going to get this training for free. And, you know, after they met with us and they're like, okay, this is legitimate, they let him attend the training right after graduation. And, uh, he's, you know, he turned into be one of our success stories. So. Yeah, I mean, and they're going to be all over. And yeah, I mean, I think the the people who have that that uh, motivation, like, I mean, obviously, uh, Lee Webb is just a natural born hustler. If you're going to be doing all that, you know, if you have the the drive to put in enough work to get drafted in the NFL, that means you're a grinder, you know. And then to just have the eyes, have the big picture, and know, you know, NFL they say stands for not for long, and uh, to just realize that and say, hey, look, I mean, he had that many fallbacks, you know to be able to be in movies, to be in NDT, a man like that can't ever fail. Yeah. And that's right. He's definitely a grinder. Matter of fact, I saw a video on YouTube. Um, it was his coach, his, uh, coach at USC was talking about how he was in the weight room every single day, you know, with his work boots on. Yeah. So this is definitely, and that's the attitude you need for just anything in life, to be honest, right? Not just FDT. Yeah, if you want to be in successful. Order to be successful you, you, yeah, you got to have that positive attitude and just continue to move forward. Yeah, you know, when I when I decided to leave SpaceX, one of my buddies turned, he was like, are you done with the grind, man? You're already giving up? And, you know, no, I was just like, you know, it kind of kind of hurt me. Like, it took me back. I was like, am I taking the easy way out? But, no, I mean, I had I, I wanted to start this and, you know, wanted to start doing some other things and you know SpaceX is a absolutely beautiful place to work but you know where I'm at now kind of freed up some more some more time for me to focus on some other things as well and you know yeah it's just I, I mean 100% feel that way uh, that you have to just put your head down 
And, you know, just like with what you did, you left SpaceX and it was like, all right, if I can spend 50, 60 hours a week working for, you know, this great company, if I put that same amount of time and energy into myself, what can I become, you know? Right. And General Atomics is a great company. That's where you're at now, right? Yes, sir. All right. Excellent. And are they giving you a path to level three? Uh, yes. Well, I'm actually already uh, uh, level three with General Atomics. The issue now is going to be to try to convince them to help me get more level threes. So I, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm working on my VT right now, but because of the, I was supposed to be taking it this morning actually, but because of the COVID-19 stuff, it's been rescheduled. So, uh, what, what I have done while I'm there is help prepare procedures and, you know, doing with some of our help audit and edit some of our internal documents because we're a brand new program. You know, it sounds kind of funny, you know, the company has been around for like 70 years, but as far as NDI goes, we never had a proper NDI program. They had always used it uh, as an R&D uh, function, so it's kind of part of the engineering. But we've split off and we've we became you know proper quality, and so there's only like eight of us there. Uh, I think there's 13 of us yeah. actually, and so we have a really great uh, RL3 who I want to talk to one day. He's one of the rare guys. His name's Cody Engstrand, and he's one of the rare guys who's actually a he has a master's in, in uh, mechanical engineering. He was a manufacturing engineer, but his focus while he was r working on his PhD, which he never finished, was on synthetic aperture focusing and the inspection of composites. So he's uniquely equipped to do UT on composites, and that's what we do. So I've been able to work a lot with him, and, uh, you know, he's... Yeah, he's he's been a really good mentor for me learning the composite world, you know, which is part of the reason why I wanted to leave SpaceX because I was stuck in aluminums and metals and welds, and I just felt like to get a more rounded, um, you know, inspection base. Let's go ahead and you know learn a little bit more about composites. But yeah, so they are, they they have been using me as a level three. I feel like I'm a little underpaid for some of the stuff that they use me for. But I feel like, you know, I, I always tell people, I tell my girlfriend, I tell my little brother, if you want to get paid for something first, you got to do it for free. So, you know, that's, that's, that, that's my little bit of sacrifice. You know, I just appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, that, that, no, that's very good advice actually. Um, and it's, it's a very similar uh, story to what happened over at SpaceX. It was July, July, 2009, is when SpaceX started their uh, mission assurance quality program. Uh, when I got there in March of 2010, um, they had Alex Chris uh, doing some penetrant. My man. Uh, they had a they had a contractor radiographer, um, and they did have a a level three by the name of Jeff Cott, who's a super nice guy, uh, and he was a level three, I think. He was NASA 410 level three in ultrasonics, I believe. Okay. Uh, so when I, when I came aboard, it was initially to start all the radiography, the RT, uh, the digital computer radiography, the rat safety program. And so we implemented that. And then by the time I left, uh, so we had, I think, maybe three inspectors when I started there. And by the time I left, I think we're up to 
fifty or sixty. And from what I understand now, they're like at a hundred and fifty or a hundred and sixty. Yeah, when I left, it was one sixty. Like yeah. Oh, uh, as a matter of fact, I was just there a few weeks ago. I did a walkthrough with Alex. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. sure he's doing great. I would ask how he's doing, but I mean, that I mean, like that guy has, like, just just an air of confidence and, and self-satisfaction man like I, <laughs> like you just can't you, you know i mean yeah. alex i mean he's just he's just smooth man he's just smooth he's having a good time man and he absolutely loves spacex loves what he does like when i first met alex you know i came out there for my interview i was just like man like what do i got to do to be alex when i grow up <laughs> well i think i think uh one of the things you mentioned in a previous podcast was you don't play golf so I don't. can't be out. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, I don't. I don't. And, you know, I went one time and I got to I got to admit, that's the one time I was like, you know what? Maybe. Yeah, maybe I don't want to be like Alex because hey, it, it's like we're supposed to be having fun. No, Alex is trying to win. <laughs> Alex is he is trying to win this golf right now, man. He's a very serious yeah. competitor. Yeah, it's always all about the drinking anyways when you go golfing. It is for me. It is for me. Yeah. No, and that's the thing is, you know, I don't want to hold the the team back. I'm, I'm just like, I'm 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 feeling good. If I can go an entire round of golf, and I never just miss the ball off the tee, I'm doing great. That was a successful round of golf for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. I don't I don't play golf either, and it's and if I did, it better be best ball because. Uh, mm-hmm. There's no way I'm going to be able to keep up with anybody. No way. No way. Yeah. So, yeah, but that, that, that golf gets real competitive. No, and I mean, the, the, the fact of the matter is I actually don't mind it at all. But the issue with me is, uh, look, I, I just want to drive myself because everybody that actually plays wants to get there two hours early and hit balls and putt and stuff. Look, I just want to show up the minute you guys are ready and I want to take off the minute we wrap it up. You know, we get some drinks afterwards, but you know, I'm not going to obsess about, you know, getting my perfect swing and everything. So, right. but no, it's, right. yeah, which so is a great the, tool. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. On the, uh, on the composite side over at GA, uh, what, what kind of inspections or what equipment are you using? Okay. So right now, uh, we, you know, because we're so brand new, you know, I, I like to tell, tell our engineers because they ask us, you know, why can't you do X, Y, and Z? And I'm like, look, right now we are at a very, you know, very beginning stages, we are using field equipment in a laboratory setting. So currently what we're using is the, the Epic 650, which I was very excited about because that's one of my, you know, that's one that I started with and the uh, Olympus SX, which I don't love because you can't run multiple groups. And there are some, there are some pieces that we do that I would really like to run a two group setup on. That way we could benefit from, you know, some just more intricate gating. Um, you know, in particular, right. one project that we've been dealing with is, uh, I hope I'm okay to talk about this, but anyway, uh, one project that we've been dealing with is our engineers want us to be able to pulse echo inspect over core. In particular, they want us to be able to quantify porosity over core using pulse echo, which everybody, everywhere that I've talked to has said is just physically impossible and so you know <laughs> i we've been trying to figure Wait, it out so you know? are you talking like on sandwich material yeah so you know let's say you have uh you know six layers of, of 
of fabric, uh, pre-preg, whatever, over core, uh-huh. you know, and then six layers on the other side, right? And mm-hmm. um, the idea. And what kind of what kind of, what kind of core are you using? Are you using um, Nomex? You using aluminum? You using a perforated or non-perforated core? What exactly are you using for core? Okay, I'm going to be honest. I actually don't know what it's called, but it's the honeycomb shaped stuff and it's orange. So, you know, okay. I'm still learning a lot, you know. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's likely no mix, but, uh, and it's likely perforated to, are you guys vacuum bagging or autoclaving? Both, both. Both? Yeah, okay. I mean, we've, we've got right. a lot of autoclaves. Okay, I, I got some info I was going to actually put on LinkedIn because I was going through my, since we're sitting at home a lot now. I was going through some of my old stuff, and I came up with some really great stuff that I had from um, Aerospace Corporation and from SpaceX. But uh, so it is physically, I, in my view, obviously this is my just my point of view. It is physically impossible to quantify the amount of porosity in that type of material with non-destructive testing. And that is what um, we've been telling them all along. <laughs> yeah. But what what you can do is. Um, the way the way they quantify porosity and and composite is you you actually can go by weight as well. Mm-hmm. So I mean, the more porosity you have, then the less weight, right? The less absolutely. So there is there is a procedure out there uh, that allows you to do that. I I'd be lying if I told you the name of the procedure, but I do know that we have we have done that when I used to work at Apply Aerospace Structures Corporation over in Stockton. So my my initial UT was all composite. Okay. And I didn't get in, I didn't get into the metals until I moved to Los Angeles. Um, but uh, but there is there is a way to do it. It's it's a it's a process. It is doable. Again, depending on the actual size and shape, and thickness of the laminates, honeycomb, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, and and you know, so we've like I said, Cody Cody's whole background is all composites and i think the issue is mostly um you know he's only been there a little while longer than i have but you get you get a certain kind of engineer who has heard something somewhere down the line and they have this idea that you can do something that is physically impossible and it it takes so much convincing to to get that idea out of their head you know, I mean, I've, I've been in meetings with people that, I mean, almost know nothing at all about NDI that are so insistent that something that is, you know, just absurd is something, well, yeah, my, you know, I know somebody at another company and they do it all the time. And it's like, oh, okay, well, can you please call them, you know, and have them explain it to me? Cause I've never seen anything like that, you know, but yeah. you, you can't get it out of their heads. You know, and, and sometimes you just have to accept it and and do what they ask. I know it's it's tough. It's so one of the companies that I'm currently consulting for, I won't won't say the name of it, uh, but they do additive manufacturing. It okay. is a rocket company. Um, they have issues with porosity in um, aluminium, right? I'll say it the British way. The British way, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, so we've actually took some. Uh, and it's just littered with porosity. I'm sorry. Through. Hold on. You broke up right there. Just for a second. You said you actually took some what? Digital radiography images. Okay. Okay. 
Yeah. And it was just littered with porosity. And we shot about 10 samples, 10 different samples. And they're like, well, we want to uh, quantify the amount of porosity in this. And I'm like, well, the only way I could do it through these images is if you want me to count and size every single pore that's there. Oof. And they're like, they're like, well, and I'm talking over probably a thousand pores <laughs> in each piece. And they're like, well, yeah, let's do that. Let's do it. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I'll take, you know what? I don't want to do it, but you're paying my rate. I will sit there and count all the pores <laughs> you want me to count. <laughs> Man, you want me to count all the grains of sand in the beach too? Like, okay, I'll get on that when I'm done. Exactly. Yeah. Man, yeah, well, and so, so yeah, I didn't have to like I said, you might be, you know, maybe it could lead to somewhere else, but it's not the exact info that you're looking for to do that process, but it might lead you into a different direction. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, we we do the acid digest and the quantified porosity content, so they cut they cut the samples and stuff, and so we've we've, I mean, it's it's really interesting for me from a research perspective because every once in a while the engineers will bring these panels, and they will do everything they can to, to, to put a known porosity value in them. And then we look and, you know, I mean, the amount of useful information you get with pulse echo over core, I'm realizing is almost nothing. You almost get nothing. I mean, we've had, we've had panels that they've built that have incredibly high porosity and you get pretty much the same, same results with pristine panels. We've had pristine panels that had, I don't, I don't want to get into it too, too much, but, but they, they, they introduce all sorts of defects and it's almost a crapshoot with what you get, you know, from the C-scan images. Uh, obviously, the the go-to method for, you know, inspecting sandwich components with with ultrasonics is is through through transmission. So, you know, that's mm-hmm. what that's what we use, and that's what we're trying to convince them to rely on. But they don't want that because it doesn't tell them anything about the poor content of the material, you know. And for whatever reason, this company relies a lot on co-cure. So they're not doing, they're not curing the laminate and then bonding it, you know, they're just uh-huh. bagging everything up together and then curing it all in one. So they have, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a strong drive to need to quantify that porosity in the, in the entire laminate, you know, but obviously once you've cured it to, uh, once you've cured it to the, to the, to the core, you're not able to, uh, you know, bounce sound around the same and get the same kind of, information that you would use to make that kind of determination so right and i think the more important thing other than trying to quantify the porosity is is finding out why you have so much porosity and trying to fix that (laughs) well you know that's what i was going to say is what this has led to more than anything is just a constant drive in in better product quality and i'm from when i started you know a year ago the quality of the products that come through our particular product line has gone up, I mean, exponentially. And uh, I think what they've done is, you know, every time we, because we, 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 we tend to just quarantine these parts, they just, um, you know, the, the poor the poor people who have been making them for the past couple of years are like, what, you know, what the hell's wrong with them? And then we show them and then eventually you get the, the design engineers down there and they show them a better way to make them. And, you know, so the, the, the quality of the parts has just in, improved. And so we see less defects and I mean, that's just good. And that, that's where the, the value added spot of NDI is. They've been, they've been accepting parts of lower quality and now we're here and just everything looks better. So 
you know, that's, that, that, that's my sales pitch, you know. And, and you'll be tough to find any chief financial officer to ever say that NDI is value added. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I know. We're a necessary <laughs> evil at best. Head. Yeah. <laughs> we're the, we're the non-desired individuals, you know, that's what I think NDI stands oh, for. for the, I like that. I like that. You can have it. You can have it. <laughs> but no. yeah, so I mean, that's 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 the industry in a nutshell, I suppose. So you know, one thing that I didn't—I mean, you've got a pretty robust background. It looks like you've been busy for the past five years. And uh, but before that, so you went to Spartan, and I just wanted to, to, if you could, just walk me through the timeline of you know how it is that you, you know, got to be, you know, a, a pretty prominent name in the industry. Well, um, I think it, it all, I looked at everything in regards to my growth at, through a financial window. And, you know, my father spent 30 years with the same company. And I always knew that wasn't the way to grow. So I told myself that I'm going to work for whoever I'm working for from three to five years. And after five years, if I haven't already hit the top of where I could be, then maybe I'll, I'll extend it a little bit. But every five years is when I made sure that not only did I move to a different, uh, maybe a different method or even different material or a different industry in NDT, that I also increased my salary by 50%. So okay. by the time I got to where I'm at, then if I move four or five times, then I've obviously doubled my salary than what I had been had I stood with one company earning the average three to 5% a year raise. Um, so that's the way I initially looked at it was just through a financial standpoint. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it was, it worked out very beneficial. When I was in Spartan, I worked for Tulsa Gamma Ray uh, doing a boiler and pressure vessel inspections with radiography and gamma sources. Uh, right after graduation, I went to the Chevron refinery up in uh, Benicia, California, and I did MT, PT, and VT. Okay. Um, from the refinery, I went to uh, Composites, Applied Aerospace Structure Corporations in Stockton, California, and that's where I got my first uh, level threes. Okay. Uh, I got my first level three in PT. Uh, then I got my level three in UT, and I became also Boeing certified level three uh, in those methods. So these are corporate level um, threes, or, or you were doing ASNTs? ASNT. Okay. Yeah, it was ASNT, but you still had to get on a Boeing. I forget the name of the D, DD or D two one five one list. I forget the name of it, but you still have to. Even if you're ASNT, you still had to be approved by Boeing to do Boeing work. Yeah. And then from, I was at Applied Aerospace Structures, uh, again, mostly all composites. And then from Applied Aerospace Structures, I went to, at that time it was called Stork Materials. Okay. Uh, it's now called Element Materials. Um, went into rotating jet engine parts, uh, immersion testing, ultrasonic immersion testing using turntables. And from there, I went from to Northrop Grumman Marine Division in Sunnyvale. And that was submarines, uh, working on, on large uh, gears, doing a lot of magnetic particle um, on large gears, using a multi-cable multi system. And then from Northrop Grumman, I went to SpaceX, 
and spent five years at SpaceX. So every time I moved somewhere, yeah. I increased my knowledge in the field and I increased the, the type of material that I was working with. Yes, that's, so, that's yeah. You know. I mean, and that was, that was why I moved. Yeah, you know. And that's exactly the right thing to do. And, and you're going to be with GA hopefully for the next five years. That's the plan. Right? And then, and then something's going to pop up maybe and you're going to be like, oh. Yeah. And, you know, my model, and this is, some people don't like my model, but I tell my students this all the time. If the price is right, the move's tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the employers, the employers won't like hearing that. <laughs> You're not putting that on your they resume. Like <laughs> You're not putting that. Yeah. But they understand. I mean, they understand that, you know, there's, there's such a shortage in the industry of technicians. And, you know, you have to, you have to be able to persuade them to come work for you. You know, maybe it's going to be different after all of this. Maybe it's going to be a different world after this coronavirus, but I don't think so. I, I think it's still going to continue once this is over. I think it's just going to continue to grow for, for NDT. I think we're so. We're going to be right back where we left off at. I think so. I mean, the oil industry was quietly going through its crisis before the coronavirus hit. Um, so I'm wondering how that's going to shake out for those guys. But everybody that I know that's in oil and gas... Uh, they have weathered the storm many, many times over. And, you know, that's how I ended up coming out to aerospace was, uh, you know, after the big crunch in, uh, was it 2000, 2016, 2015, uh, when oil went down from, you know, $110 a barrel to, to 30, you know, uh, after the fracking stuff was really going. But yeah, I mean, those guys know how to weather the storm. And, uh, you know, I've, I've never been unemployed for, I mean, it was like, two weeks after getting laid off that SpaceX called me. And then, you know, I was there, um, you know, four or five weeks after that, you know, and that's just the, the blessing of this industry. It can pull you all over the country, all over the world. And you just never really, you never really know where you're going to end up, but you know that this is going to provide for you. Where were you prior to SpaceX? So my grandfather has, uh, he's been in the industry for 30 years or so. And he has a, a small inspection company in Houston. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that was pretty lucky too. I didn't realize, you know, what a blessing it is being from Houston that at that time, the authorized examination centers were, were few and far between. And so Houston happened to be a place that had Hellier it had lavender. It has all sorts of places, but you know, so I was able to get a really good refresher training, uh, from a level three in UT, uh, named Eugene Sharpia out there. And, uh, so I was able to pass the UT level three at a young age, but you know, I feel like he kind of, you know, he kind of helped a lot with that, you know, cause my only background in UT was what we did, which was raw material inspection. So it was pretty much, we just did shear wave and straight beam. I think API six, APSL three was the, uh, one of the, the codes that we worked to most often. And, uh, so that required straight beam and shear wave on, on round bar. And, uh, that was like the most advanced ultrasonics that I did at the time. So, you know, you go try to take that test and you got immersion, you've got composites, you've got weld inspection. And these were things that I just didn't have uh, any experience with. And uh, yeah, but anyway, that, that's, that's, that's where I started. It, you know, it tends to be a family business type thing. You know, that's where it comes through. Oh, that's great. That's a great foundation for sure. 
Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great. And it was a good foundation. But yeah, he is not afraid to uh, to tell you when to hit the road, you know. So <laughs> that's what he said. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, he, 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 he was pretty confident that we would land on our feet. And, and we did. And I, I, I feel like it was a blessing in disguise. So. Right. Because family business is still business. It's still business, right. man. I mean, we can't just all go down that's with right. the ship. That's right. That's right. Yeah, so he's but actually been doing well. Good. No, go ahead. And I think it's it's really important for, um, you know, level two to have good to have good mentors. You know, there's so there's so many people out there that aren't always out to help. It's unfortunate sometimes. You know, the level three that I had uh, at Applied Aerospace Structures, um, you know, flat out was a dick. Yeah, you know, I didn't like him, and he didn't like me, and you know, we we butted heads all the time. But in the end, you know, I realized, okay, he was a dick, but he actually taught me a lot. You know, so but the thing is, you could still teach somebody a lot and not be a dick about it. <laughs> you know, you don't have to be condescending to individuals. You yeah, can, you can give you know, supportive criticism, uh, criticism or, or whatnot. There's a good way of doing it. But, uh, you know, I think if I had, if I could say anything to all the other level threes out there is just be nice to your tech, <laughs> teach them what you know, be nice, you know? be nice, teach them what you know. I mean, they're, they're the up and comers. They're, they're going to have to, you know, come behind you and you want them to, to accelerate past you. I don't want somebody to be, um, where I'm at, I want somebody to be further than where I am. I want somebody to be smarter than what I am. You know, that's the only way we're going to continue to grow is by is by taking all of our knowledge that we have and passing it on to somebody and then let them build upon that. So that's 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 what keeps me going in the industry, just continuing to help people. Yeah, that that's 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 what I'm trying to do. I'm really hoping that this, you know, this conversation can can reach somebody and make them, you know, want to try harder. And, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe we can reach more level threes and, and, and have less assholes in the industry, but you know, good luck with that. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's a person to person thing, just like everything else, you know? Yeah, that's true. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. And I hope you found that entertaining. John Stewart is a really good resource. Uh, if you're trying to further your career or trying to get into the NDT game, I wanted to give a special shout out to Fernando and Logan for emailing me at ndttalk at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. I really, really appreciate it. Any and all feedback you guys can give, if you can get the word out or if you've got anybody that you want to hear that you think would be willing to talk to me, please let me know. I plan on dropping another episode next week. I'm going to talk to an Olympus representative. I think it's around April 10th we're going to talk. Uh, We're going to talk about machine vision stereoscopic measurements with boroscopes and uh, you know just visual testing in general so uh, if that's something that you're interested in uh, just be on the lookout for that should be coming up uh, mid-april all right thanks again for listening guys take care